0: Welcome to In the Hot Seat with the Tenney Group, I'm Spencer Tenney, it's good to be with you. Today, I'm very excited about our guest, President and Chief Operating Officer of the American Transportation Research Institute, the
1: famous, Rebecca Brewster. Rebecca, welcome to the hot seat. Well, thank you Spencer, I'm not sure about the famous, but it's certainly my pleasure to be with you today. Well,
0: I've seen you take some heat, but we're going to see how much heat you can take in the hot seat today. (laughs) Uh, so, I'm looking forward to mix this up. But before we do, would you just take maybe 20, 30 seconds uh, for those that maybe not be familiar with your great organization? Just tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing over there at ATRI.
1: Absolutely. So, ATRI is the trucking industry's not for profit research organization. And we have one primary mission, and that's research to improve the industry's safety and productivity. And one of the hallmarks at ATRI is that in fulfillment of our mission, we provide all of our research free of charge, and so you and I are going to talk about one of our probably most popular annual studies, our top industry issues uh, survey, but but we have a whole large portfolio of, of studies available on our website from predicting truck crash involvement to multiple studies on the topic of truck parking to looking at the hours of service rules, CSA, workforce issues. So. I would encourage folks to visit our website if they haven't and, and check it out for themselves. And it's it's really easy to find us on the internet because it's what we do. It's truckingresearch.org.
0: Well, what what a URL, uh, hit the jackpot with that one. And, uh, and I think we hit the jackpot with our guests. So let's jump right in. So let me set the stage here. I'm reading right off the report here. It says, given today's widespread economic challenges, it is imperative that supply chain stakeholders understand the interplay of the various issues confronting the trucking industry. I think that's what the issue is. It's like on any given day, what there's so many challenges. So how do we make sense of, of of all of it? And so, so so tell us about the the history of the report. This is like as you mentioned, there, there's a tremendous treasure chest of different resources within your organization. Why is this report so critical? And and does it draw such a large audience and intrigue within the industry?
1: So we actually started this in 2005 at the request uh, of then chairman of the American Trucking Associations, Fred Burns, who felt that the industry at that time was being too reactive to the issues that it was confronting. And he asked ATRI to develop a strategy to identify a little longer term, what should the the industry should be planning for? So we came up with this survey methodology. But but what we found is people can really only focus on what's my pain right now. And so they responded to the survey with their most current pain points. And we ranked those pain points uh, based on industry input. But I think, Spencer, the real value or the real compelling part of it is The industry also through this survey and report ranks strategies that they feel the industry should be pursuing. So those might be federal advocacy, state level advocacy, education and outreach, or in many cases, additional research that's needed. And that's where ATRI takes the findings of the survey and puts them to use with our research advisory committee. So we started in 2005, it became an annual survey. And really, because we've been doing it now for 18 years, it really has become a, a great indicator of sort of what's going on in the industry as we see various issues ebb and flow from the out into the top 10, out of the top 10. Some never leave the top 10. Some make a one-time appearance based on what's going on. But, but it really is a, a great timeline for looking at what's going on in the industry and You know, we get motor carriers from C-suite to technicians to dispatchers to sales folks. We get professional truck drivers, owner-operators and company drivers. We get law enforcement. We get government folks. Everyone who has a nexus to trucking is invited to take part in this survey. And and this year we had over 4,200 survey responses.
0: Yeah, and to that point, I'm looking at some of the stats here, and it looks like the professional truck drivers make up the 47.2%. Motor carrier executives and personnel, 38.8%. Uh, 14% of those were industry stakeholders. And then another, um, I guess that included suppliers, driver trainers, and the, and the law enforcement. It's like So, so a, a broad swath, different vantage points, and I think that's what, that's what makes it valuable.
1: It is. It really is a, you know, this year we had more driver participants than we've had to date, which I'm very gratified by because I think drivers now realize this is a way to have their collective voice heard and probably on no topic more um, so than on truck parking because because it has repeatedly ranked high on the driver list. We've now seen um, even activity at the federal level and a recognition um, with uh, Congress and the USDOT that there needs to be a concerted effort on building out more truck parking capacity. 100%,
0: 100%, and, and I, and, and I want to jump into the top ten, but before I do, I just want to make this comment, and I think this is really fascinating kind of where our worlds collide, us being in the m advisory space because we joke internally on any given day, given the problem that our friends in the industry face, they could either be a buyer or they could be a seller. It just, it just really depends on what's going on. And so I think that this report does a really good job of equipping business owners to navigate the best path for them, whatever that is moving forward. And so I really appreciate the information. So with that, would you share the top 10 uh, for, 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 for 2022 with us?
1: Absolutely. So number one, um, no surprise to anybody who has been to the gas station lately, um, fuel prices and more specifically for the trucking industry, diesel prices, the number one issue in the industry. And we had actually not seen fuel prices in the top 10 uh, since 2013. So it reemerged this year as the number one issue overall. Number two, driver shortage, which had been the number one issue for five years in a row. And as I tell people, it's not that the driver shortage got any better this year. It's just that fuel prices were so impactful for everyone, regardless of fleet size, uh, but certainly at, certainly at the mid and small fleet size, and owner operators really feeling that pain at that the pump. Number three, the issue I mentioned earlier truck parking. Um, and again, you think about how many drivers we had respond to the survey. Nearly 50% of the respondents were drivers. You understand why truck parking ranks so high. Number four, driver compensation. Rounding out the top five, the state of the nation's economy. And uh, we hadn't seen that one on the top 10 list since. 2020 so those were our top five they're very interesting but I also think the the we'll call them the bottom five but the next five are, are equally as interesting so number six uh, detention uh, delay at customer facilities a big issue for drivers but also a big productivity issue for fleets as they as they look yes. at the efficiency of their driver workforce number uh, six or number seven driver retention number eight. Compliance, Safety, and Accountability, or CSA, as it's known, the, the regulatory agency's framework for how they evaluate carrier safety. Um, number nine, a new entrant to the top 10. we We'd never seen it before in the top 10. Speed limiters. And we know that uh, earlier this year, FMCSA issued a notice of intent to enter into a speed limiter rulemaking next year in 2023. So lots of concern, particularly on the part of drivers on, on what that will look like. And then uh, rounding out the top ten lawsuit abuse reform, uh, which came on, back uh, into the top ten list several years ago, as we've seen litigation against the trucking industry continue to take on frightening new levels.
0: Well, you know, anybody from the outside looks at this list and like, what in the world? Why would you want to? Be, why would you want to be in this space? And <laughs> and you and I know because um, I know that you've been passionate and been dedicated to this industry for a a, a good bit, um, it's kind of addicting. It's kind of addicting. Like when you, when you get in this space and you get around the people and you realize you're making America go, it's a special thing to be a part of. Um, it is
1: indeed. And, and uh, you know, I feel very privileged to have spent nearly 30 years on this job and another four in, uh, with a trucking fleet. So this mm-hmm. is, trucking is my home and it is great space.
0: Well, Well, I love that. So I think what our audience will be particularly interested in, okay, you got the top 10, what's the methodology? How did you arrive at this top 10? What's the process?
1: So uh, we put the survey out there and when you take the survey, it's fairly easy to take. You are uh, presented with a list of this year where there were 29 issues that had been identified by industry stakeholders as important over time or, or they've been ones that have been written into the survey in the past by enough people that we've elevated it to that main list. You're prompted to pick your top three, and and we did have a lot of people write in and say, "There's no way I can pick just three. All of these are critical to my business." But we force you to pick three, um, and then for each of those three, you're presented with some of those potential strategies that you think the industry should be pursuing, and you are asked to rank those one through three. Now, what's so powerful about it is, don't see your top ten issue? One of your top ten issues? Write it in. Don't think we've selected good strategies? write it in. And those write-in comments this year were, were more colorful than we've seen on some of these issues. Um, people have a lot of opinions on these topics, but I will tell you that, you know, people say, oh, a, a write-in candidate never gets elected. We have had write-in issues uh, presented by so many respondents over the years that they become a top 10 issue. One in case in point, driver compensation enough drivers wrote compensation pay into their as one of their top issues that it became a top energy-hmm
0: well I think that's fascinating well, oh, well thank you for kind of breaking that down because I do think it matters in terms of helping to understand why the report is critical given the methodology plus who's actually contributing to it all those things provide um, makes it pretty meaty about what we're looking at here so so let's I, I have so many questions. So okay, so sure. so, Go so, so let, let's just start with the big daddy uh, in term in terms of the diesel fuel being being number one. Um, a thirty percent plus percent increase year over year. Uh, I mean, that's such a huge number. It's such a huge number.
1: So it, like, it is, and and actually the the thirty five plus percent increase we saw in fuel prices. Came out of our annual operational cost of trucking, and that was from 20 to 21. So that that's not even really reflective of what fleets were experiencing in 22. So you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna start the data collection early on in 2023 for that annual operational cost of trucking, and I think we'll see a, another big jump. So I I you know, given what they're forecasting for fuel prices, I don't think we're gonna see that drop out of the top 10 as an issue. And I think we're going to see large increases uh, once again in our operational cost of trucking.
0: Yeah, so uh, you, you, you mentioned the driver compensation as well, which was the number four. And you, with that, this is very interesting to me because we saw huge headlines throughout the year in terms of some of the most reputable carriers increasing driver pay anywhere from 30 to 40%. Record one-year increases on these things. And yet here we still are. number four issue. Now I'm not saying like one year you can solve all the problems, but you can see how deep the problem is when you make those types of changes and we we're still not even pushing it down to the back to the to the bottom ten or the bottom five issues that you as you described it.
1: So (laughs) um, and and you're right, Spencer. and, And and part of the issue is I mean drivers rank driver compensation because you know everybody wants more pay. But 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 motor carriers Also, oftentimes, select driver compensation as one of their top concerns because they're concerned about the sustainability of these pay increases. It is very difficult to walk back someone's pay. And so, as they have responded to the driver shortage by increasing driver wages, I think there's concern on the part of motor carriers you know, where's the tipping point where I can no longer sustain that um, if. The freight market turns soft.
0: Now, that's interesting color because uh, what I'm hearing you say is because you, you, it's not just I need more money. It's the executive side saying I'm concerned about being able to pay more money. Absolutely. Um, and, Absolutely. and meeting those demands. So that is kind of collectively creating that, that sensitivity across the industry. And so uh, that's super fascinating. Can you let, Let's talk about number six with the detention and delay because the huge inefficiency challenge right now. So let, let let's let's de- define the problem for for our audience a little bit and I'd really like to get into a few of the recommendations that are in your report about what we can do about it.
1: So detention is a is a a, a condition that's kind of unique to the trucking industry. So the way I explain it to non-trucking audiences, imagine you go to work, you show up at work on time but you're told you can't really start doing your job from anywhere from two to four to six to eight hours, so just sit there. You're likely not gonna get paid while you wait, but then we'll tell you you can start your job. Well, that's what happens when drivers uh, arrive at customer facilities all too often. Um, they are have to wait in a queue. If they're early, they're penalized. They're told they have to get in the back of the line because you didn't come um, right at your appointment time or heaven forbid you meet some traffic congestion or bad weather and you're late for your appointment, get to the back of the line. Um, it, you know, these. Uh, many of these warehouses are facing the same sort of workforce issues that we are facing a driver shortage. So they don't have all the staff they need to load, unload uh, vehicles. So it is just a very challenging situation. And particularly post COVID, um, when these facilities often would not let the drivers in to use the facilities out of covid fears but they've sort of kept that unfortunately firewall up and so i'm being told i have to wait to to make my delivery or make my pickup i'm not allowed to use the facilities sometimes there's a porta potty out there um but oftentimes there's not i mean it's just it, it, like the truck parking situation to me it's an untenable situation and it is such a productivity sap for this industry. Right.
0: Yeah, and so expensive and, and, and when there's no margin to be inefficient. Absolutely. Like so I, I think that's fascinating. I would really like to learn a little bit more because I, you know, when I'm in the, in the M&A environment and our team is trying to do transactions, one of the things that we don't hear as much about is the speed limiters issue that, that was a new addition uh, to the report this year. Help us understand that. What What's happening there and why is that causing pain?
1: So uh, a speed limiter is is essentially a way to top out the speed that your vehicle can go. And so you can govern your trucks at 65, 68 miles per hour. There is currently no regulation that says you must govern your trucks at X speed. Many fleets do it for a safety issue. Uh, Many fleets do it, particularly when we see diesel prices go so high, to better manage their miles per gallon and their fuel usage. Because when you're driving faster, you're burning fuel faster. So there are good sides to speed limiters. Here's where the concern comes in. Speed regulation of trucks and not of cars means cars can continue to go as fast as they want. And you see this in many cases if you drive in um, heavy truck areas where you see governed trucks that that can't go over 65 miles per hour. And if you get a lot of those, you can create sort of a wall of trucks. Cars get frustrated, I wanna get on the interstate. I want to get off the interstate. There's this wall of trucks. They're just going 65. i got to really punch it to get past them. So drivers in particular, and we saw this in a lot of the writing comments, are very concerned about road rage resulting from them going slower than the general traffic. And two, safety issues. Cars going so fast and then running up on them, not realizing those trucks are governed at whatever speed they're governed at. And so you know that, in it's that speed differential issue, which there has been research around, that does create more opportunity for interaction between cars and trucks, and therefore more opportunity for crashes.
0: Which is obviously, it, it, and, and, you know, and obviously that leads right into uh, number ten, um, in terms of all the things that you know. That's why people call us. I can't sleep at night because I'm worried about that outcome. And, that, that um, big, and so big I can verdict. that makes a lot of sense about why the speed limiters are just exacerbating the the angst about number ten, basically. And so absolutely,
1: uh, and 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 in the full report, Spencer, you know, we also list the issues that rank eleven through thirteen. Sometimes they're emerging issues that just haven't sort of popped up yet. But in this case, number eleven was only separated from number ten lawsuit abuse reform by four points. And it's so closely related, and that's insurance cost and availability. And as you pointed out early on, it's very hard to look at any of these issues in a silo. And clearly, those two are very closely related. The The insurance industry has been taking it on the chin for a number of years because of these increasing nuclear verdicts. They're having to raise premiums. Carriers can't keep up with the cost of the insurance, so they're taking on more risk themselves through higher deductibles or self-insurance. Right. So it's just a, a, a tough cycle for everybody.
0: No, we see that all the time. Where, I mean, maybe not so much in twenty twenty two, but I mean, Lord mercy, like nineteen through through twenty one in terms of the the insurance market, where we're getting these you know fifty percent to hundred percent increases year over year. No company can absorb that type of increase. It's like no, game over, absolutely not overnight. And so, I do think that there is a little bit of um, recognition that it's. That it's not the insurance companies. They don't want this any more than, than the, tr- the truck drivers do. Right. It, uh, but, but as far as understanding about how disruptive these reptile verdicts actually are, uh, it's it, it just creates insanity uh, for everyone. So um, I want to bring us back now to what was the number one uh, issue for the last five years, which was the driver shortage. So so, what's what's happening there right now? Because on any given day, you could have thought leaders within our industry that will say, you know, stop talking about a, shor- a driver shortage. That's not what's happening. Um, they might say maybe we have a utilization problem, and that's and that's the real issue. Either way, kind of like the, the previous example where um, around driver compensation, no matter, it's still a huge area of sensitivity. But whatever, what, whatever we're talking about, so what, what's your take on it? What's actually happening right now?
1: Well, there's no question that we do have a lack of drivers to fill seats. We have more freight demand than we have drivers to fill that demand. Now, why don't we have the drivers we need? You can talk to many fleet executives and they'll tell you they get applicants. It's not that they're not getting applicants. They're not qualified applicants necessarily who they are willing to hire and put behind the wheel of their vehicles um we have a drug and alcohol clearinghouse now which the industry pushed for and was successful in getting it makes all the sense in the world it's what we want we don't want habitual drug users behind the wheels of our trucks but we are now finding particularly in states where marijuana has been decriminalized that people will take a pre-employment test test positive and they're out and so and even current drivers who might uh, get caught up in a random test or a post crash test test positive and they're out and large numbers of those drivers are not starting that return to duty process to get back into the the workforce. So, you know, there there are we have an aging workforce. We've got significant percentage of our driver workforce, I think about 54% of our work, driver workforce right now is over the age of 45. Um, and a very small percentage of our workforce, about just under 7%, is in that 20 to 24 age bracket. So, as those older men and women begin to retire, we're not backfilling with young people. So, we don't have enough drivers right now. We don't have enough qualified applicants right now. And we're, I think we're going to face a steeper cliff if we don't get more young people interested in trucking careers, which means we got to fix detention and we got to fix parking. We got to make sure compensation is where it's supposed to be.
0: And I think I think you'll probably appreciate this. Um, you know, when we're in a transaction environment, in many cases, depending on the structure of the deal, there, there's huge um, considerations around the transferability of of the uh, uh, of the driver pool. And so, what ends up happening in diligence, just like what you've talked about, you're, you're, what we're looking at is the remaining available career right. of that driver, and that in some ways is helping to understand what risk am I actually transferring? Because if the average age of the of the driver pool is sixty years old, well, that's a concern, considering that the statistics are that the driver lives about fourteen years shorter than the normal human being. Give or take, I'm not sure exactly what that stat is, but it's it's significant. Right. And so um, so it's it's a huge deal to to not only in just terms of age, but like you said, um, no one has any appetite to transfer drivers that can't mitigate that number 10 concern. Are you going to get me in a situation from a safety standpoint that is a game over situation for my company? Right. And, Absolutely. And, and this, no one has an appetite for that. So something's got to give. Like you said, bring in bring in a younger workforce that wants to do it, that. Wants to comply with all the things that are that are required. Um, or auton- autonomous trucks, or you you tell me what what's the solution there?
1: Well, I, I do think there's a lot of potential if we can focus our attention on bringing young people in the right way. And I and I believe that the uh, pilot program that FMCSA has started as part of the Drive Safe Act, the, the Safe Driver Apprenticeship Program, holds a lot of potential because it outlines safety technologies that have to be on the vehicle before we put that younger individual in the seat of it. It outlines criteria for that trainer that works with that younger person. If we can start to build out our farm team, if you will, of younger individuals through a really deliberate, safe process, I I think there's a lot of potential to get young, dedicated people into this industry.
0: Well, I love that. I love your optimism. So let me me hang out there for a minute. Where do you think we're getting it right? Like, where do you think we're growing as an industry and maturing in a way that gets you excited um, as we look to the future? Well, I
1: think safety technology deployment has been a real shining star for this industry and the investment we've made as an industry in safety. Um, We did some research looking at that interplay between litigation and insurance cost and availability. And as part of that, we ask fleets what safety technologies they had deployed recently. And overwhelmingly, uh, the the most frequently cited safety technologies, road-facing cameras, um, which the drivers really love once they understand them, because they see now that there's video feed that generally exonerates them, that shows when they are involved in an incident started by someone else. So it's no longer he said, she said. There's video evidence that the truck driver was doing what they were supposed to do um and a whole host of others you know collision avoidance systems and other systems that fleets are deploying taking that proactive safety uh, approach that's going to pay off for us as an industry
0: i love that all right so let's talk about predictions we'll do one prediction then i'll give a little wild card question we'll we'll wrap it up here so predictions we 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 had a new number 1 in 22 let's look at 23 what do you think the number 1 slot's going to be for the number one issue in this upcoming year
1: i believe we'll still see fuel prices in the top five given what, what we're seeing um it's hard to tell whether driver shortage will go back on the top or whether we'll still continue to see fuel but I, but i think it'll be one of those two
0: oh, that's good stuff all right so a little wild card we know you've been in in, in trucking for a, a bit, as you as you shared. So let's just let's just go back in time, young college student, an English major, if I'm correct. Yes. Uh, had you not gone down this path into a a, a trucking wormhole, <laughs> where might where where might you have gone career wise? What what would have been the alternative path for you?
1: Well, since I was a little girl, I've always wanted to be the boss. So I um. used to start clubs so I could be the president of the club. <laughs> so my my high school ambition was to be the editor of the New York Times. So. Oh,
0: I love that. Well, hey, that might that that might be uh, the next act. we'll uh, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll get we'll, a, we'll some... a
1: little old for the next act, but I, and I'm loving this act so.
0: Well, well, we're loving the work that you're doing in this space. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for spending time with us and and just sharing your knowledge with our. Network and our friends in this industry. That's going to do it for us in the hot seat. We will see you next time.